You're listening to All Ears with Somewhere Soul. Welcome to episode four of the All Ears podcast. I'm Josh Mason, and today I'll be talking to singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Marie Dahlstrom. Born in Copenhagen, now living in East London, Marie spends her time between two cities producing music, playing shows and studying for her PhD on singing and caregiving. Throughout the course of the conversation, we talk about her recent Her Songs project, female independence and empowerment, and juggling education with music. Marie, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm very good. I have a bit of a cold, but I'm good. Oh, you can't tell. Can't tell at all. Yeah. How's your week been? Um, it's been good. I just got back from Denmark yesterday and um, I've been, I actually went straight from the flight to the sleep an hour and then working with Supra for a headline show on Monday. Mm, nice. So, um, yeah. uh, were the waiting room? Is At it? the waiting room, yeah. Nice, nice. And in terms of your shows, I think it's so nice to have you on the podcast. One, because it was hard to nail you down to a date, but secondly, because I think you are, I worked out, I think you're one of two people I've seen the most live over the past two years. So it's been nice to see your journey from, I think the first time I saw you live was um, that church in Islington. Oh yeah, St. James St. James Church, church I think, yeah. yeah. Right, up to, right up to Shout Amira up. <laughs> recently. Yeah. Um, so it's been so nice to watch your development and growth. How was the Amira show? Uh, I think that was my favorite show so far, actually. Yeah. I think it was such a great experience. I thought like the audience was so like respectful and really engaged in the performance. And yeah, the band, like it it's so important, I think, for me to play with the same people. Like I've played with the same guys for so long. So it feels like, you know, the music is really coming together and you can really trust each other on stage. And yeah, it was it was a really sick show. I'm like I, I never used to like performing live. Like ever. Really? And it's only a recent development that I now enjoy it. So um, I think in my own progress as well, it's been like a journey. And I now feel like, okay, I can do this. I can I can make my shows and I'm happy with the way they sound afterwards when I listen back. And mm. so That's really interesting because I would always have always assumed that to you, live shows were sort of quite a big part of your um, sort of musical identity because you seem to have them lined up fairly, fairly frequently. Yeah. And I think... They they always have been in the sense that I love arranging live music and I love like MD in my band and you know making the songs different from what they are on the record. So in that sense, like it, the musical aspect of it, I love. But I think in terms of performance, I had like a, a big wall. I didn't really enjoy it and I couldn't really be myself on stage. Um, mm -hmm. I think even you know from from our show at um, St James's Church till this show at Omera, like my the way I have rest myself or whatever is is changed you know I, I'm much better now I think on stage yeah. more free I you can... all, yeah you always look so at ease yeah like really really relaxed yeah, I don't know if you feel do you feel have you always <laughs> felt relaxed or no is it just wow it always comes across that way I think I do now the first song is always a bit of a like oh you just kind of warm into it and then boom I'm in then I'm like in another zone and it, yeah. it comes natural mm, nice yeah um, so yeah, first first thing I want to talk about, which is very timely as the second track from the project drops later today. Yeah. Yeah. So we just want to talk for a bit about Her Songs. So for anyone who doesn't know, just want to explain um, about the Her Songs project. So basically, um, this summer uh, I went to LA for a week. And uh, actually I went for two weeks and I had one week just doing sessions or whatever. And then I had one week where I was with four other girls and we were recording an EP in a week or actually in like in four days but the whole the whole project took a week and we met up in um, in Hollywood we had like this beautiful house and we um, we came together we we actually didn't meet before so it was the first time we met each other and then um, we had seven days to produce write record and shoot music video and it, we came up with four tracks and um, so we've been working on, you know, getting the PR campaign ready and all that. And now, two weeks ago, we had the first single out and it's called Holding Your Own. And now we've got um, the next one, Just A Face, coming today. Wow. Yeah. So far, so four songs in seven days. Yeah, so basically we arrived on day one and we just got to know each other and the house was like so overwhelming, free... Who's, free yeah, whose house was that? It looked insane. It's something called the Participation Agency and we just like hit up lots of sponsors and so we got like Native Instruments, we got like, you know, um, D3 
D'Addario, D'Angelico, guitars. Uh, we've got pickup, lots of different partnerships. They, and they just helped us like getting that thing together. And all of a sudden, like, it was actually my idea. And we, I was on FaceTime with, with Danielle, who was also singing and producing on the project. And I was like, I really want to do like a writing week, but I don't want it to be like, a, a, you know, publishing type thing. Let's go and write pop songs we don't care about for other people. But I wanted it to be like a personal artistry experience. So um, we, we, I've just found people online that I really admired and who also liked my music. And then we all went on like a FaceTime call and we were like, shall we try and do this? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And then everything from that conversation was so naturally like developing. Mm. Everyone just picked, you know, a place of responsibility and like, oh, I'm going to do this, you're going to do that, boom, boom, boom. And before we knew, we booked flights and we were going to, to Los Angeles to, to record this. Wow. And we met on that first day and we were having dinner and we were like, right. We had an evening where we like played, you know, songs that we liked, artists that we were inspired by. And then on the next day, day two, we just started, we got the first song done. The two, three, four, five, one song a day. Like we were working, I think we woke up nine and then we had breakfast and we started everything and then we were done like three in the morning. And then we did that, you know, four days in a row. Then the next day we were shooting a music video for one of the songs. That was on day Six and then on day seven we um, we just wrapped up and then that was it and we wow. sent everything off to mixing like in the last hour before we left the house and it was like boom so no one has like touched the, the project since so intense it was so intense like we was like okay right up boom 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 and you know our my friend good friend Melde from Denmark who's a videographer and a, like a graphic designer and all that stuff he was so sick like he just came through with the camera you know while we were working on the music he was filming editing and then we did like little daily uh, recaps of how we made the tune and what it was about so um it was it was so amazing like and I think the lesson is definitely self-initiative kind of like how much you can do if you are with the right people mm -hmm. and if everyone is as motivated as you are And that's what I really learned from that. Like, you don't need that much if you are just very dedicated. Um, and all the girls were like, there was no ego. It was a super collaborative way that the songs came about. Like, you know, the first day I was just at the computer producing, someone else was writing. The next day I came up with a chord progression, did some melodies, then I was doing singing, you know. And then we just alternated. Like, everyone had an instrument that they were the best at. And so it was so, so with the dynamic of the group, did you sort of naturally settle into the same sort of creative process that you then replicated each day? We didn't plan anything. We just was like, right, how's it going to start? And then every day kind of um, turned out differently. But I happened to sing, me and, and, and Danny, we, we, um, we seemed to just like sing on the same songs. And then Francesca and, and Emily and then Maddie, who's a bass player and also does production, she then produced on the songs that I didn't produce on with Danny. So it, the whole thing was like, and you know, Emily and um, Francesca, they don't produce. So they were doing guitars and, you know, more melodies and all that type of thing. So the whole thing, it was like, boom, natural. I don't know. It was very amazing to experience, like... Um, no competition, no like weird, oh, who's doing this and I, am I singing enough? And none of that bullshit, like just yeah. simple. Was there any part of you that was, that flew over there thinking like this couldn't, this may not work or did you always know that you were going to leave with something valu I think valuable I always knew regardless? It was gonna work. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm always like this. I'm like, no, oh, that's going to be fine. Francesca was like, oh, I'm a bit nervous. I'm like, shut it. <laughs> it is going to be fine. And But I was, I guess I was a little bit nervous, but it was more about, you know, if the dynamic was going to be good, But I knew that no matter what, we would leave with music, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also about trusting in others. Like, if you if you like someone's artistry and you like their sound, you got to believe that they have something good to give. And I think that's what goes wrong a lot in collaborations, that, that people have such a hard time giving in and like letting go of their own. But that's the whole point of, of working with someone else. You got to give space for someone else to express themselves creatively. And did someone take charge with the songwriting or you sort of banded together on that um, in terms so that of the actual was, lyrics? Yeah, that was also like dependent on the day. So the first day I didn't write any lyrics. I was doing production on the whole thing. So I was just sitting, you know, on my little NPC and on the keyboard and blah, blah, with, with Danny. And then, you know, Francesca and Emily was doing the songwriting while, you know, Maddie was working on bass and, you know, doing some other production bits on another computer. And then we put it together in the end. Um, on the second day, the song that we are going to release today, Just a Face, um, 
it started with that chord progression and then we we put some like trap Maddie was on the computer putting some trap beat on and then you know the girls started like humming melodies and then you know three of us just went to a corner boom 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 started talking about just a face that you know what what do we want to say you know letting go of of the little things not getting caught up in all the small things in life but seeing the bigger picture especially with creativity because you're not all you're not going to feel great all day long every day you know mm. So you know, ex- accepting that feeling and riding the wave, and you learn from the bad situations too. So that was kind of the foundation for that second song. Um, and then, yeah, you know, then it's like, okay, Maddie's on production. No one needs to disturb that. You know, we are here riding. Then me and Danny went into another room, did all the vocals while you know Emily was recording guitars, and then you know we had a dinner break and boom. So it was it was very natural. Yeah, that's amazing. And is there like an underlying? message that links all the songs together at all um maybe it's about i think it's definitely about um it's not we've only got one song that's about love like i love writing about love in it but <laughs> this was more like what else can you bring to the table like from like topically or whatever so the first song holding my own was about like you know you can do things by yourself self initiative giving in to yourself trusting yourself your creativity this second song is about letting go of fear The next song is about um, heartbreak, um, and then the final song is about being confident in your femininity and like uh, questioning. Because we had a debate that day, like, what does it mean to be feminine? And we actually disagreed a lot. Because I was like, I don't mind someone like shouting at me on the street, and then I don't mind. Like, I think it's, I'm just like, oh, cool, you know, and see you later. And then I might just feel a little bit more confident that day. Of course, if it's not some uncomfortable situation, but if someone's just like yeah. shouting or something. But where, you know, one of the other girls might have been like, oh, I find that super disrespectful. So it was like, you know, we were like challenging that discussion, like where is your boundary and, you know, what is okay? And and since this whole Me Too movement and, you know, female musicianship, all that, since that becomes so popular, I think people's sensitivity has also been pushed, you know, And you know, I had a I had a conversation with my brother, and he was like, "Marie, sometimes when I meet a girl in the bar, I don't even know like what's okay anymore. Like, where <laughs> where is the line?" And you know, not to say that everyone should, of course, feel respected and it should be respectful conversations, but it definitely is sparking you know a whole new topic as well. Um, I think for for a lot of men, like how to be, like how to act with women, and what's appropriate, what's in the culture, and and so forth. Mm, definitely. So that was an interesting debate, and that that sparked the last song. Wow. Which we also got a music video for. So is that the, is there one music video from the whole project, or is there a music video for each? No, there's one music video for the final song, and it's called "All Right," and that's going to be the the last thing we release before Christmas. Nice, because I when I first found the Instagram page, uh, I can't remember what the bio is. It's something about like bringing. Um, female artists from around the world together to record a project in one week. Yeah, I assumed it was a sort of initiative by someone, and you were the first group to fulfill that initiative. A lot and of it, people thought that and thought it was like pick up that made it, and we were like, hold up, we did this, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's just you guys, and in the future, it'll be you guys again if there is going to be a, there another is a project. Future, actually, yeah, uh, next year we're going to do New York, and we all already wow. got like the the space and everything, so. That should be very sick, and then hopefully we're going to do a London one. And then, like my um, personal dream with this project is to actually make it like a foundation at some point. And then, because we've had crazy amounts of inquiries, like for people around the world, being like, "How can we do this? You know, what can we do?" But, but I think the important point for me was to make it about artistry. It's not about just being a songwriter. It's about someone who is who consider themselves an artist and have a platform and want to work with other artists expressing their vision, mm-hmm. not trying to fit some like, oh, here is a reference track. Let's try and sound like Beyonce on this one. No, not that. Um, and that was important for me. Um, not that the other thing is also not good. It is, but that was just not the vision for this. Because mm. it, it, when I first found the page as well, I thought this just lends itself perfectly to social media as well in terms of the like beautiful locations um all the videos and the images are so engaging just because where it's where it's based and then also the fact that you've just got so many female musicians in one space on like drum pads like playing bass like was that a real conscious effort to make sure that you were all presenting yourself as these role models where often you don't see that many female basis was it was it a conscious decision to sort of project that or was that just that naturally happened 
Like the selection of people was very natural. It was just like who who you know likes each other on Instagram and who admi- admires each other's music. Um, but I, I guess there was a little bit of like consideration in terms of we can't have six girls with like songwriting and guitar because then we're not going to get very interesting songs. So mm-hmm. you know I don't play guitar. I play keyboard. Maddie don't doesn't play keyboard, but she plays guitar like, guitar and bass and you know so like co- covering the bases with different like I guess specialities or. That was definitely, we did think a little bit of that. Um, but we had a couple of comments as well, like being like, why isn't it more diverse, like, you know, racially and other things. And, um, be, but because it was so organic, that was, we didn't think of it as like a media thing or like a stunt for the media or remembering to include this and that. And we, there was no like, everything was organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone is from from different cultures, like, you know, Danny's Colombian, like... Emily's from New Zealand, Francesca is French, Brazilian, um, like Maddie is Canadian. So it is lots of different cultures anyways, you know. Well, I think that's when it's most powerful anyway, is that when, say for example, there's a a night where it's all female artists, if that purely is, that promoter has booked these artists because he thinks they're the right fit for the night. Mm. That's much more powerful than being like, promoting the night as an all female mm-hmm. lineup in my opinion i think it normalizes things much more yeah exactly and it, it was just so organic and you know when we were when we were playing and creating the songs melda was just filming in the background we weren't really paying attention to him we were just you know doing whatever felt right in the moment and then when the day was over we would sit and he would show us the footage he'd be like oh i captured you doing this and so there was no none of that like staged thing involved at all um which you can probably also see from the footage. It's just like we're just doing whatever. And, 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 and why, like, um, why LA? Why was that the first destination? That's a good, that's a very good um, question. Why was it? I think it was because Maddie was going to move to LA and uh, Danny was in Boston. So there was already two people on those fronts. And me and Mel, did, like he's one of my best friends, we, we wanted to go to LA. We've been talking about it for a couple of years. Um, and I had a couple of sessions like with the guy from Moonchild and a couple of other things in that week. Um, and I had like a, a management meeting and so I was like, oh, everything can actually fit in. Um, and then, you know, it was just like, one, two, three, let's do it here. And I think Emily, she's trying to move from New Zealand to the US. So um, mm. so she she wanted to be there more as well. And so we were just like, oh yeah, let's go, why not type thing. Yeah. So just, just to touch back on what you said about the um, the location, how did you say you found it again? It's it something through... called the Participation Agency. Yeah. And um, they like they have houses all around the world that they use for touring musicians. Actually, Tommy, she just stayed in the same house like oh. a couple a couple of weeks ago. I just saw on his Instagram, I was like, ah. Um, so it's one of those kind of locations and they, you know, they support different kind of artistry projects and, you know, tours. And so we were just lucky that they wanted to be involved. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And they have them just all, all around the world. And are they all typically breathtaking or <laughs> I think so like we saw it on a picture like before we we arrived and I was like oh looks nice isn't it like nothing crazy but then when we actually arrived we were all like oh oh you know free free stories like food ready and you know six bedrooms and free bathrooms and it was just like some new lovely house like um, we were all surprised of how nice it, it actually was so wow yeah so how do you think it will be going how do you think it will differ going into your second project in New New York now that you've already got a EP under your belt do you think you'll just be do you think you'll take it in a different direction will you sort of challenge yourselves in a new way because obviously you've overcome producing something in such a short space of time would you sort of do anything differently going into New York um, we might do uh, again it's like probably just one of those things where we will we'll be in, in the house and we will just be like right w- what can we do and I think Melda will have some ideas perhaps and even you know the New York environment is quite different from, from LA so I reckon there will be differences and I think everyone will have progressed in their own artist careers you know so we'll have more experience under our belt and maybe people will have released new projects and mm. so um I reckon it would be it would just be nice to feel like how people have progressed and and see how many people who are still interested in her songs at that point. Yeah, lots. I reckon lots. Yeah, it's been blowing up. I'm so <laughs> yeah, I'm so impressed. Yeah, with yeah. like how well people have you know responded to this project and how much support like we've been been shown on the internet and you know with with no promo for this first song and it's well, just it's been, so catchy. Yeah, the chorus is like proper like 
It's like a masterclass in how to write a catchy <laughs> chorus, in my opinion. Well, that's so good. Emily's actually doing a masterclass right now for pickup in how to sing. Really? Right, so, uh, <laughs> but that's the fits well. Well, it'll be a good one then. And what's the main message of that song? It's like to, I think it's about trusting your creativity and like being able to do things by yourself. And because it's so easy to be like, a bit more I don't know influenced too much I think by others and everyone ha have got opinions about everything and sometimes it's hard to like hold your own in what you want and what you want to express with your music and you know you can easily get you know off off the ground with like things you don't want to be involved with and it was like those kind of feelings once to get across how do you say something that matters to you and that's your idea and not everyone else's idea mm -hmm. and how do you just put it in a song and and Breathe in the air, knowing, trusting yourself, knowing you can deliver this music because it's yours, you know. Mm. That was that's the really interesting. And that sort of moves on perfectly to um, the other main thing I wanted to speak to you about, which is being an independent artist and being a female independent artist. Um, when you say independent, this is something I want to clear up for myself, if not other people as well, because I hear a lot of people refer to themselves as an independent mm -hmm. artist. What does it actually sort of specifically mean? Does it just mean you, you're you not tied to a label or...? Like, I don't have a label and I don't have a publisher. Okay. So I don't have anything. I have a manager um, who's called Jenny and she's just one person. Mm -hmm. And it's just me and her doing everything. And if you have a publisher, that means...? If you have a publisher, that means, for example... You, know, you can you can either sign a publishing deal at the same time as you sign your record deal, or you can, for example, have a publishing deal where you have um, get sessions from, for example, let's say Sony. Let's say I have a publishing deal with Sony, then they are responsible um, for giving me and putting me in sessions so I can write songs for others, and then they will get a, a cut of that, and then I will get you know more, more songwriting credits. So it's like you know it's equally beneficial, and that's why you get put in sessions. Mm -hmm. But I've seen that happen to a lot of my artist friends, and then all of a sudden all their time is snatched up in, in publishing for others. And then, you know, I hear some of them say that it can make them feel like they spill too much of their creative juice, if mm. you know what I mean. Like it can be hard, like if you've been writing for others all day long for a week and then it gets to the weekend and you're like, what, you know, I've pretty much said everything I felt, you know, for other people this week. Yeah. So it can be, I think it's that fine balance. Some people are obviously better than others, but... Um, personally I'm not so good at that I had a season where I was writing so much more for others and I felt it like quite I felt it was quite draining in a way mm. I still do it but I'm more way more picky with who I write for now and um, so what do, you, have, what do you look for when you say you're, you're, you're more picky for who you write for what? I think I only want to really be involved with projects that I like respect and admire I mean, before I was more inclined to just be like oh yeah I'll do this and you know but if I don't really care about the music I, f I find it really hard to engage myself mm. Um so for me, it's definitely like passion oriented more than it's like product oriented. Yeah. So that decision to be independent and just work with a manager and just do everything yourself, was that a crossroad you came to where you were deciding between the label route and the independent route? Yes, it was kind of like a crossroad. And I think sometimes I can be like, uh, you know, did I, did I make the right decision? Obviously, because you, you, you do get benefits and some independent labels are very good and there are very great things about being with a label. Um, but for me, I think it's also that, that experience of having a lot of people judging your music before it comes out that I personally, I don't like it so much. Like when I make a song, I play it to myself and maybe like my boyfriend and my manager or something and then I'm like oh it does this sound good or whatever and then you know they might have a couple comments and then that's it but it's not something that goes around to like 60 people and then you should change the speed this hi-hat isn't great like a little bit more depth in, in this and like no I, I don't care and I think that's one of the things that have made it easy for me to develop that skill of holding my own because I have to trust my own opinion there's no one else doing it for me and when there's been situations where they've done that it's kind of made the song worse in my experience. Mm. Um, so it's been an important learning curve, like filtering out some information from people and holding on to what you want to express. That's what makes you your, your own artist, in my opinion. Um, obviously not being like, no, no, dismiss it for no reason, but 
but trying to like hold your vision when you make something, you know, because it's so easy. And especially if it's coming from people of authority or mm. if it's a label person or You someone, assume that they know best because they've been yeah, in some, the industry for years. Yeah, someone's been pitching years, songs for, for 25 years, you know, that, that could have been better there, Marie, and that could have been this. But it's like, but that was not what I made. You know, I'm making this right now. And if I can't make it better, then it's because I haven't progressed to that level yet. So I need to make more. To, to you know to be that what you wanted me to be if I'm taking that route yeah but I just chose to not do that I was like okay you don't like it I still like it so I want to explore you know how I can do this better but on my terms mm. um, do you think there's a certain type of artist that does suit working with a label more I think so I definitely think so and I think it's a personality thing too like I, I really like doing things by myself I like making the mistakes and learning from them and you know being like okay well and trying to cover all those spaces because I find it interesting. And I, I don't, you know, even I have songs, many songs online now where I'm like, Ugh, I don't really like this song now. But at that point when I made it, I was at that specific place in my artistry and I did like it. Mm. So I just look back at it and I'm like, oh, I'm just a real normal person trying to make music. And, you know, I think sometimes it might be nice for other people to see also that you can see you develop, you do become better if you keep on doing it, you know. Um, and you, you don't have to, you have help from everyone to to make that progression that will happen if you do it yourself too trust me mm. um, yeah cuz i feel there's i feel like there's a somewhat of a stigma around major labels in what sense i feel like it's seen as like a like selling out in a way i feel like some people hold the view that if you go with like a major label it's not that it's an easy thing like an easy route to take but i just feel there's a lot of i hear a lot of artists talking in a negative way about the the major labels and it feels like there's a it feels like there's not it feels like there's sort of good and evil in a way it's like two camps of like independent artists and then yeah people with labels right. do you know what I mean yeah and I think I'm also a, a victim of sometimes being a bit judgmental I think but I will say that that's not that's not right to be that way because people people do join bigger labels because they want to progress in their career and the people who have done that have also progressed more than I have for example a good example could be um, uh, JP Cooper he used to be this guy on the guitar doing riffs and, and to like you know these organic beats and stuff which I loved him for mm. then he joined a major label and now he's doing like different kind of music um, <laughs> that's very polite <laughs> yeah just a different vibe yeah. he's still an amazing singer and an amazing songwriter but his musical direction, in my opinion, has definitely changed, mm -hmm. although he's still amazing. Um, and I think, you know, artists who who gain like a level of success and then have people who wants to invest in them, like, it's not easy because you, you want to make money, you want to sustain your life and career and your kid and whatever you have. So I can see why people choose that road and there's definitely nothing wrong with that. And some major label deals are amazing and people still, you know, get to express what they want to express. I think it's more about your personality. Like, can you can you say no even when you have a big team of people who are trying to make you, you know, change your direction slightly? And or do, or is it just yourself who experienced a change in what you want to express? You know, M many things can happen. Um, um, but at the same time, there is a trend though. Like a lot of people who do sign those big deals, they do sound different to when they were independent. Could also be for me, it's a lot about urgency. Like mm. when I know it's only me and there's no one doing it for me and I need to try and do the best I can. I feel like urgency to work on my music. But sometimes if when I've been in a situation where more people have been helping me out, I felt that I could relax more. And then I don't think that urgency comes across in the same way in what I'm trying to express musically. So I guess it depends on your personality a lot. Mm. Yeah, and you strike me as someone who's very, very um, energetic, like proactive, you don't strike me as someone who would need someone to give them a sort of structure or deadlines. Do you, do you agree with that? Are you fairly good at saying, I want to do this project then and just setting about achieving it like on off your, off your own back? Um, yeah, I think I've become very good at that. I think I have to do that because otherwise I won't be releasing music. <laughs> um, and I think developing that skill, that's also a trial and error thing. The more you do it, the better you become at it, the better you become at managing your time. Um, and I think for me, having also studying at the same time, it gives me that sense of like, right, I only have X amount of hours every week to try and, and make music happen as well. Um, and then it gives me a feeling of like 
right, I have to do it this time because if I don't do it there, there won't be like seven more hours later in the day because they are put aside for something else. And that that actually helps me and motivates me. I've had I had a couple of years in like 2015, 14, where I was a bit confused and like, you know, didn't really know what I want to do. And I was not as motivated with music, felt a bit like, is it the right way? And at that point I had a lot of time and I think, you know, my musical expression was worse. Like, oh, really? Because I, I didn't didn't give me that urgency feeling that I think is really important. Mm. Yeah, because I've heard people say that there seems to be different types of creators where some people will sit down and sort of force themselves to create in a window of time and that works for them. And then others say that they need to sort of wait for moments of inspiration and then they'll go and create and they'll just produce a track in like a few hours based on how they're how they're feeling yes that's me that's you <laughs> that's me it's like you know um for example like uh, my boyfriend was in LA and I was missing him and then I'm just sitting at home and then I feel like a strong feeling of missing and then I have a lot of emotion to put into a song and then the song comes out the way it should because I had a feeling or usually negative feelings are the best for me if I mm. if I'm sad or if I'm annoyed or if I feel very emotional or these type of feelings is like you have so much you need to let out of your body and then put it into the song but if everything is just bliss you are nice you know you're just mm. at home in bed well, that- <laughs> watching films like there's not really that much to say you know well that reminds me of um, I was reading that Questlove book recently Creative mm-hmm. Quest all about creativity and he was saying that songwriting or music production is a way of housing emotions that um, conflict with your life oh definitely which makes sense if they're negative emotions you want to find a finding a space for them a song can be a good place for that whereas like you say if it's if it's all all sunny there's no reason to do anything with those emotions and feelings no because it's all nice you know what were you going to say that's how I felt at some point I was just like like (laughs) and it didn't really I didn't even when I was singing I obviously always liked singing but my I could even hear it in my delivery like it didn't have that depth that I think when I listen to songwriters that I really look for in music you know um, my favourite singer probably is like Alex Isley um, and I just think every time I check my iTunes like I've listened to one of her songs over like 4,000 times <laughs> and this I can listen to it again and again on repeat and repeat and I've done that since I ever you know since she released it in like 2013 or something which song? it's called uh, I can't remember if it's Do Don't or Don't Do it's Don't Do I think <laughs> and um, it's just this little beat and she's singing about this like little romance thing and there's nothing much to it, but it's just so pure. You can just hear it in her voice. It just really makes you feel something. Um, and yeah, that type of feeling. It's really yeah. important, I think. Nice. So as, a, as an independent artist, what would you say is, what do you find are the, are the biggest challenges that you have to deal with? I think it's like um, self-esteem, like feeling, feeling confident in, the, in your ability to deliver a musical project without anyone's help. And then I think it's time management, the ability to wake up, get stuff done at the same time with having to rely on something so like fluctuating as creativity. And then I think it's not comparing yourself to your peers who might be progressing quicker than you do. Um, And then lastly, it's falling in love with learning like over and over again because music it's like you have to develop from project to project and that takes effort and like that sometimes that can be hard like to always have to learn something new or find a better vocal chain or you know up your keyboard playing to be able to do something like it's a little bit like sometimes being in school like having an exam or something and you have Mm. to practice for it you know and it's like and then the last thing, I guess, is live performances. Like the ability to to trust yourself to deliver like on stage and not being afraid of like singing the wrong note or, you know, trusting in others also to perform. Like you got to let go of yourself. That's a huge thing. Like to, I think, to really get something good, you got to show trust in others. This is another thing I've really learned from this whole experience of writing music. Like for me, that's a big part. Um... Because, you know, once if you're so like, oh, perfectionistic and, and worried and, you know, micromanaging everyone, it's going to be such a bad experience. 
Um, mm. So those those elements, I think, when you put them together, you get like a picture of like... It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's about how you view yourself and not comparing yourself to your friends. Like if you're a bit jealous of someone else's success, it's really hard to, to focus on what you were doing, you know. And I had a year, like maybe I think it was in, it might have been 2014 or something, where I was just like, right. Because I felt those kind of like jealous tendencies. I was like, oh, mm. why is she like doing so well? And what am I doing wrong? And it was like stopping that completely and be like, no, like there's space for everyone. And just because someone else is very, very amazing doesn't mean that you can't get good at what you do, you know? Um, I guess and- that's the problem. one of the problems, isn't it, with social media is that it creates these, it, it makes you compare yourself to others. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can't not use it as an artist. You can't No. You can't switch off social media otherwise, especially it's- as an independent artist. Like one of your biggest assets in terms of promoting yourself. Exactly. But once you release that feeling, once you like be like, whoa, other people are amazing too. How great is that? Once you truly feel that, it's actually so liberating. You're like, but I don't have to compare myself. I can just be happy that, you know, Ruby or Carmody or Emma V or someone is doing really amazing. Like, And that, I think that's such a great feeling, but it's just a little bit of a, you have to work a bit on yourself to get to that place. And that's, I think, when you can progress the best too. Mm. Because then you are at ease with your musicality. You know, you can trust your skill. And you know, even if you can't figure it out at this particular moment, once you try, you know, you might get it in a week or two or a year. Or, but it will come. And has that helped being surrounded by other artists who are also independent? Yeah, it's definitely yeah. helped because we, it's easy, it's like we can learn from each other. Like I've learned so much from Ruby and Carmody and Francesca and like everyone that I'm around. Even their way of writing, like me and Francesca have a completely different way of writing, but I love the way she does it too, you know. I think with Ruby, I've learned a lot about like stage, being on stage and how to conduct yourself, you know. I think comedy, I've learned a lot about lyrics and, Mm. you know, the importance of like, because I'm not really a lyric person, like I just sing whatever I feel. (laughs) But she's way more poetic. So like you're actually valuing the parts of your writing or your performing that might not be as expressed. So I think in that way, that's been really great for me. And was that a conscious decision? No. It just happened organically? It just happens. I think it happens because you you seek, you want to speak to people who are doing the same thing as you, isn't it? You want to have someone you can, you know, talk freely about this industry and... Yeah, Ruby said you invited her for a picnic. Oh yeah, invited her for a picnic. That's such a nice like first date. (laughs) Yeah, we met like, because we used to live two minutes from each other in Bethnal Green. Ah. And I was like, how come it's a house? Because I... I basically was in my friend's kitchen and Melda actually, who who recorded the, her songs. And um, he played me this song. He's like, oh my God, who's this girl? Like her voice is amazing. And then he played me All Yours, the first um, um, Submotion Orchestra uh, record. And I was like, whoa, like I love this voice. And then after that, I started Googling like Ruby Wood and stalking her. So <laughs> <laughs> I just thought she was such a beautiful singer. Um, and then I think, I don't actually know then how, what happened after then. But then one day, maybe through mutual friends, maybe through Alpha and like Barney and Emma V and stuff, because we were friends with her boyfriend at the time. I think that's how it all came together. And then we met. Mm. And then we just, since then, we've just been friends. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because I had Ruby on the last episode um, and we were talking about uh, navigating the music industry as a woman. Mm-hmm. What's your experience of that being like as a sort of independent artist? Because Ruby said you you sort of share different views on sort of femininity and things yeah I think I'm a little bit more relaxed about all that stuff like I think I don't really give a fuck like <laughs> I don't care like if you want to think I'm a singer or I'm, I'm just singing because I think I look good or bad or whatever it's just, it just goes in and out I'm just I don't care so just stay in your own lane and... I'm just like yes what are you going to do I'm here I'm going to try anyways mm-hmm. and I think you know if you put too much too much uh, effort on only that then that can also become a bit like whoa are you only choosing me because I'm a woman because I would never want that like that's also unfair if there's some guy who's been practicing eight hours a day for the last 10 years and here I come and then I can play like three chords on the keyboard and all of a sudden I get the gig when someone else should have had it just because I'm a woman I don't I don't like that yeah. I, I don't want to be chosen for that reason um, so that's the, the one side and the other side is that of course it's so amazing that there's uh, so much light on women right now and it does give a lot of opportunities like the her songs concept Mm. all these things that are trending right now so it is easier to establish things based on that and it does shine more light on women and that is amazing um 
But in from a day-to-day experience, I must say personally, people have always treated me nice, I think. And, you know, advances and stuff when you're in studios with men and all that. I think it's just going to happen. Like It's not just something to do with music in in particular. It's also going to happen in hospitals, for doctors and nurses mm-hmm. and in every freaking industry. It's just humans, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think lastly... Um, I think you should just be respected for the person that you are. And like Ruby also said, you know, why does it have to be an all-female lineup? Why don't you just say a lineup? Because you would never say an all-male lineup and all these things. Like maybe it's better to just expect it to be the same and then slowly like neutralizing it instead of just putting a foot down, you know. But at the same time, that's also a strategy. Like with the her songs, once you mm. say female, people are more inclined. So it's like a give and take. You use it for advan, like for your own good, but at the same time, you want to be respected equally. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a hard balance. Like yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think some days I'm very opinionated. I'm like a bit, a bit like, like why are we doing all this female stuff? And at the same time, I'm like, no, I love it. So yeah, I guess I'm, it's just it should just be down to the artist, really, if they want to celebrate their femininity yeah and also what is that like what is femininity you know what is it to celebrate femininity I don't I don't even know what that is maybe because everyone has got a different view of what it is to be feminine and you know um, there's so many different expectations and I think you know the whole liberation thing when people are like when I don't for example like when women are like oh he's looking so much at me but I'm like well why do you think he is because your tits are out like and you look sexy as fuck and I'm even looking at you you know (laughs) that kind of thing where you're like that obviously there's human things that will just happen if you put yourself in a certain light then you will expect certain behaviors like so it's like I don't know it's like a give and take I don't think I've made my mind up completely yeah. I just know that I've always felt respected mm-hmm. and I think it's to do with the fact that I've also I feel at least um, entered the room in a way where I feel like I'm supposed to be respected so I'm not looking for like you know moments of like um Mom's like, whoa, it's because I'm a woman. Like, no, I'm just... Yeah, I yeah. guess if you've made your peace with it, yes. which it sounds like you have, then it's not on your radar. And and people are often like, oh, if, if I'm coming to a gig and they're like, oh, you're going to sing? And then if I say, oh, I'm no, I'm playing piano on this gig. Some some women, that that's annoying to them. Or oh, why why do they expect me to be a singer? I'm like, that's just, that is because there are just more singers than mm. are women, you know? It's not always because people want to be rude or want to just assume. It's just because it's like a stereotypical thing. Yeah, it's just we like an unconscious to... bias. You can't yeah. really... And like, we're people can be ex- excused like to have that, have those biases ingrained in them and they're not trying to be rude, they're not trying to offend. No, exactly. And we are, we are, we are all, you know, victims of that kind of like bias and, and also like conditioning a little bit. Like it's something that's been going on for so long that it's the same thing with fear, you know. Mm. In Denmark, there's a lot of people of other cultures and I remember when I moved to, to Bethnal Green, which is quite like a like a Indian area, I'd say. I was a bit like, whoa, like this. I was a bit afraid. I was very weird. I'm like, this is really wrong. Like, it's because I feel a bit like the odd one out, you know? Mm. And the only reason why I'm afraid is because I just haven't tried it before. And, there's, and I realized, obviously, there's nothing to be afraid of. And it was completely silly. But sometimes the fear of the unknown and the the fact that you're not educated in a certain area will just make you jump to conclusions that aren't actually a representation of what you really feel. Mm. And I think it's important to distinguish those two because not everyone who says things in a particular way means what they say, you know. Yeah, yeah. People are just people, so. And what was the reason for the move? To London? Yeah. Um, for me, it was, um, I, I felt like it was too monocultural in Denmark and I felt like there weren't really you know, into R&B and they thought it was smooth and all these things and I really liked it and I couldn't really find like a scene that I felt um, fitted, like what I wanted to express musically. Mm. So I'd been in London like a couple of times on holidays and I really just liked it. So then I applied for lots of different like music schools and then I went for the auditions and then I just got into to yeah, one of them, not all of them actually, but I, I chose one. And then I went here to study and my... When I started studying, we had to do like artist projects and stuff. And then I just started, you know, writing more of my own. And then one thing just like took the other. And and uh, yeah, I just continued making music and I continued studying my, my master's and a half psychology degree and other things. Um, and then, yeah, then I just, yeah, 
Then I'm just here. <laughs> and what's the split? Because you still go back to Copenhagen quite a bit, right? Yeah, I go back to see my my family and you know my parents and my brother and their dog <laughs> that I love <laughs> and um, you know everyone, my friends. So I go back quite a lot. I'd say maybe twelve times a year or something. Yeah, yeah. nice. So yeah, you mentioned studying mm-hmm. at the moment. You're currently studying for your PhD. Yeah, um, and it's on. It's like on. It's like on music and caregiving, singing in particular. Um, so uh, I, when I finished my my degree in vocals and music, I went on to do a master's program at Goldsmiths here in London, um, which is like a, a cognitive neuroscience of music. So it's it's about like what music does to the brain, and then it goes breaks it down to all these different modules and you know rhythm, beat perception, mm. singing, caregiving, everything. Um, and it was like just a really eye-opening master's program and I, I really enjoyed like studying again. Um, and then my professor at that master's course, she was really fond of me. We had a good relationship. So after I finished, I continued like doing research with her and we did a project together in about um, parenting and, and singing and which led me to apply for my PhD because Denmark has like an international research center called Music in the Brain where they have scientists from all over the world coming together um, to to work on like all aspects of what music does to the brain and like you know basic science is also like transfer effects to other parts of the brain and why you know what music can do for health or mm. whatever you might think of so um so yeah I applied for that and I I, w- I lived in Berlin at that point and I went for my audition and then I started my PhD uh, a year ago now um and that's like I'm in a fellowship with Oxford, University of Oxford, and mm-hmm. Denmark. So I'm lucky to be able to still live in London and then study. Nice. Yeah. That's so interesting. What what sort of modules, what, what sort of things have you been learning? So, like, you know what? Obviously doing, a lot, but... Yeah, I learned a lot, but actually a PhD is a, a little bit like making a music project. It's the same kind of thing. You choose something you want to do, like a, you could say genre in music and you could say an area of research in, in science. And then you make a, a project description, so like you make your EP, and then you conduct your study, you know, you mix and master, and you release it into the world, like you could release a record. So that's what you're going to do. And it's, it's completely independent. So you have your supervisor, like for example, me, I'm doing a, um, I'm looking at what happens to the brain in, in new parents if they have engaged in like a, a singing activity. And then I'm putting them in the scanner and then I'm looking at their brains before and after to see if there's any transfer effects to parenting because music and and parenting overlap a lot mm. um, in like the circuits and the networks we use in the brain. So I'm trying to figure out if that can make you more aware as a parent and more um, if there's any kind of uh, instinctive overlaps. Um, and that for example like it's nice because I'm really interested in kids and I'm really interested in music Mm. so I felt like this was a good way to try and combine and still like have something else than just practical music Um, so I'm just about to do the first part of my study hopefully early next year Uh, and then there's like three more steps and then you write like a long thesis like a book Uh, and then you go and defend it and then you can call yourself a doctor oh yeah cool so you have like a panel of people who yeah do they try and like rip it to shreds and you have to defend it or do they just ask questions? I've heard oh. it quite, can be quite like brutal. Is that the case? Yes, it can be very brutal. <laughs> I went to see like one of my colleagues at the Music and the Brain Center's defense uh, in Denmark a couple of months ago and she was uh, working on like music and sleep deprivation and uh, she had a really, was, she was amazing um, and she had some really, a really like funny and like warm person to ask her all the questions from mm. some other country but some of them are like really like, why did you say that? How many participants... What's your... Like you know, Dragon's very, Den. Yeah, it's, it's really intense. But I mean, I think a little bit like with your own songs, you know your project so well. Mm. So if there's questions or if there's something you can't answer, you know, that might be just for, you know, a postdoc or the next piece of research or... So I'm a bit nervous about that, but I have two two and a half years more to, to go, so... Yeah, yeah. Hopefully I'll nail. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, do you find it hard to balance your study and your music? Yeah, I find it super hard. Yeah. I find it so hard. And I still haven't found a good way. I had I actually had it as a question on my Instagram the other day, like, how do you manage the time between studying and writing and music? And I was like, oh, I wish I could answer this because I have not got a good way yet. And this is what I mean about self-management. It's trial and error. 
I try to do something where, you know, I wake up and then I do PhD first half of the day. Mm-hmm. What, time, then, what time do you wake up? I, I try to wake up at eight, but it's, uh, no, it's probably more like nine or ten okay. sometimes. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'll do PhD the first half of the day and then I'll do music in the evening. But then I end up sitting doing PhD and then like I'm on my Instagram and then like uh, riffing some little thing about my PhD <laughs> on my story or something. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> And then that becomes more fun, you know, or like start practicing along some song in the background and... So like I'd say I haven't found the perfect uh, dynamic yet, but it's getting better. Like it's a, uh, it also depends on how much you've got on. I think I tend to pack the day maybe just a tiny bit too much <laughs> with things in yeah. comparison to like the workload. So um, and do you find it's easy to get drawn away from PhD stuff towards music? Yes, is that I've, one of the problems? It's always yeah. easy for me to do that, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's also easy for me in a way to to get sucked into the PhD once I'm in. Mm-hmm. But because it takes a bit longer, like with music, you can have one idea and then you're just like, oh, you know, in your zone, writing or singing or whatever. But with a PhD, it's more like, you you know, you're writing something and that's to be quiet and you're reading and you're making a point. Then it just takes maybe two hours where getting into song takes 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's that dedication to sit down and like focus yourself. And, and I think that's really related to like your overall health, like mental health and also physical health, like... Um, I try to run. I, I do run a lot, like three, three, four times a week or something. And I can feel this the periods where I haven't like taken care of myself with food and with, you know, exercise. I can't focus that way. I can't be as organized. And that's another lesson, like uh, to be very good at something. I think you have to be good at a lot of other things too that are not directly related to your, your purpose. Mm. A lot of discipline. Yeah, a lot of discipline. Finding that balance, you know. And do you find that when you are... Um, going to do your PhD stuff, do you find it's helpful to have a complete change of location where, say, you don't have access to instruments and... Yeah, that would probably help a lot. But you don't so do you're, that. You're giving me a good idea now. <laughs> yeah, I should probably be doing that. Like, go maybe go into a cafe and maybe not have my phone on. Like, you know, switch off iMessage and WhatsApp. WhatsApp is the killer on my days. Like, yeah. you know, when you're on your computer and then ding, WhatsApp pops up with all sorts and you can't help but click. But mm-hmm. then you're completely out of your thoughts. And I'm like, so maybe, mm. you know, shut off everything and then just zone in, yeah. I didn't realise you can see on Instagram how many minutes you've spent on it that day. Did you, you know, know that? You know what? I have not turned on that feature yet. Don't. Because it's not, no, you will have it. Will I? You just won't know where it is, but yeah, don't. Oh, I'm glad I haven't seen that. I'd recommend not looking at it. Yeah. Well, it, it, like can be helpful. it can be helpful to see and be like, oh, wow. Like, that's a whole. I remember I looked on like a Friday and it was like two hours or something. I'm trying a new thing, this thing where I'm like, where I wake up in the morning, because I, I don't know with you guys, but. I have a tendency to wake up and then the first thing I do is pick off my phone. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is ugly. Like, why do I do this? And um, so now I'm trying a new thing. I just started today, actually, I did this morning, where I wake up and then I don't even look at my... The alarm will go on, I switch it off, and then I'll go to the kitchen, have a coffee, make breakfast, not even look at the phone. And then after all that is done and I'm ready to like work and start the day, that's the first time I touch my phone. Mm. So, you know, we'll see in half a year how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a similar thing where in the evening... Once it's at a certain time, I'll put my phone in the kitchen and leave it in there. Yeah, good, Because yeah. I find, like, I'm at work all day, so is my girlfriend. We get back from work. It's like, I don't want to be looking. This is the one part of the day I'll get to hang out with my girlfriend. I don't want to be, like, checking my phone. And if it is there, I will. I just will. It's I'm such just, an like, important thing. I find myself watching this. Like, I'm watching a video of some guy, like, cook dinner. I don't even know the guy. Yeah. And my girlfriend sat next to me. Thinking it's like, like, what like am yeah, I doing? yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> my mum told me this from from me and my brother were very young. Every time we were uh, in the kitchen, we never had a TV on, and now we have like a no phone policy. But actually, the worst one now is my dad. Funny enough, he's always on that freaking phone. We have mm. dinner, and I'm like, Dev, can you take that phone out of your hand? You know, um, and we. But it's really like that strictness from my mum having like said, "Don't do this." Is like our moment to look into each other's eyes and like talk about the day and connect. Mm. Like we don't have that many times a day like you said to do that that's kind of like really carried on into my adult life I think and I'm trying to you know when with dinner and like meals if you're out on a date or something not have that phone lighting up in your face all the time you know yeah even yes. though it's hard it's really hard so hard mm. it's just yeah you find yourself sort of just subconsciously just like scrolling and then sometimes you even I find myself snapping back into it like yeah sort of not even aware what I've been what you've been scrolling looking at? through for the past five seconds yeah. is the trade-off between value is they get so much value from all their users like Instagram, Facebook and stuff and you get back 
so little, not so much as an artist, but just as a as a as a person using social media. Yeah, the exactly. value trade off is so uneven. Yeah, it but really it's just, is. It's just addictive and so hard to break. It's so hard to cycle. It's really like it's about being aware and conscious of every action you know you do during the day. Because if you are aware, like you know, if I don't take my phone up right now, I will be able to do this and this and this instead. Sometimes you really have to like string it out for yourself, like why you do the things you do, mm. and then you then you will have like a great experience. Like maybe you connect more with your partner or your friend or your family, or whatever, and then you would like you would they'll make you want to do it again. But it's like setting up like the purpose sometimes, you know. Mm. Yeah, actually, I've got an app on my Mac that um, I like block myself from websites like SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, and stuff. And you can set how long you're blocked out of them for. Oh, I need this one. Yeah, yeah. You send me a link. I think it's called self. It's called like self control or something. Oh yeah, I need which that one. Is obviously, I have a complete lack of it. To use the <laughs> app, but yeah, it's really, really useful. Just I don't if have you notifications know to... of anything. Like, I don't have Facebook or anything on my phone. Nothing yeah. pops up oh, well, except good. from WhatsApp. Yeah, you don't have Instagram on your phone. No, it doesn't pop up. Oh, okay. I only go on the app to see when it comes. Oh, on. so you're like, right? I'm gonna go on Instagram and see what's going on for a yeah. set period of time. And but catch but up actually, and I figured out that's not even good either because then you go on and you're like, oh, what's on Instagram? Because you don't know what's been there. You know, so it's like the... Oh, the so many notifications. <laughs> exactly. And you have like, ooh, and then that's exciting too. So I get, yeah. I think maybe your blocking way might be the best mm. one. Yeah, right. I'm very conscious of time. So we're going to have to move on to yes. Q's and A's. Um, so the first one, who are some current artists that inspire you? Um, I really like the way her sings. I think her voice and her tone and her like technique is really awesome. Like very consistent and like, yeah, I just think her voice is really great. Mm. I like listening to her. I think she sounds very sexual also. <laughs> and like uh, she just has a specific vibe, you know, I don't hear a lot of singers now. Mm-hmm. Um, and who else? I like... Um, BJ the Chicago Kid. Yeah. I just think he's sick. Like Good Loving is one of my favorite tunes. Mm-hmm. Also, someone who's like um, the London band Cold Callers. Cold Callers. I, don't I just think I, think, I realized they were from London. They was like literally my anthem of LA. And then I figured out it's some like duo from London. Completely sick. Like I'm their biggest fan right now. Yeah, Cold I was Callers. listening to your um, Her Songs Inspiration playlist mm-hmm. on Spotify this morning. Yeah, Cold Callers on that one. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I must have just not not got to them yet and I realised like I've been the biggest fangirl like you are amazing like on their Instagram like oh thanks so much like I just love them like that's my band right now Cold Callers definitely Cold Callers I'm gonna check them out um, later um, so yeah next question is who would you say your top three biggest influences are that have influenced your sound it's a tough one <laughs> Music Soul Child is definitely mm. there mm. I think um, Donald Jones is there too. But see, now I only say like one type of, oh my God, it's hard. Uh, um, I think India Re also. Oh, now I'm already on three. Oh my God. Uh, well, that's a good three. That's a good three. Yeah, those three I'd say, yeah, definitely. Um, Lucy Pearl. Oh my God, Lucy Pearl. Raphael Sadiq in general. He's so amazing on everything. Um, a lot of like Scandinavian jazz, uh, Lars Jensen, for example, um, EST trio. Like instruments, music, piano music. Um, uh, my favorite jazz album, uh, Kenny Barron and Stan Getz, Live at Montmartre, where I just played actually in Denmark. Um, my favorite album ever, it's so beautiful. Amazing songs and, and um, interpretations. Uh, there's a Danish singer-songwriter called Tina Diko. Her lyrics are so beautiful, like stunning writing. She really inspired me a lot. And her whole life, the way she built her career, it's so impressive and so inspiring. Touring with her family, three kids, her mm. boyfriend is in the band and they got this beautiful house in Iceland. They built it, it's amazing. Um, Liz Wright, Liz Wright is one of my biggest influences. She's a, a jazz gospel singer from from somewhere in the US. And I've been listening to her since she since she came out with her first album and I've seen her at Ronnie's. I've seen her three times live now and um I'll just always go to a concert. I met her once and I was like a little child. I was like, you were inspiring me. <laughs> she's so amazing. Nice. To name a few. Okay, so next one. Feeds into that one quite nicely, actually. The next one is, what's the music music scene like in Copenhagen? 
This is something I wish I knew more about because I don't, because I'm never there in a music way. I went there to play my first headline show with band last month, you know, after all these years. And uh, it was such a great experience and really just a really nice night. But it was like, it's only now really, I was on like a really big radio show as well. And it's only now that's happening. And I think only now they're warming up to, you know, like maybe more R&B and like so full inspired music. Um I think Denmark is more a lot of like indie pop and that type of thing and mm-hmm. also a lot of like Danish rap trap type thing going on and is trap big there as yeah, well yeah like all and even like a Danish grime almost like mm-hmm. there's some some little things there but again I feel like I'm so detached from from that area of music so I'm not even really the right person to ask I feel yeah um I, I think I'll, I'll I'll think and ask other people and they'll come yeah. back okay cool 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 um so next one is, I hear you're working on an album. Who have you been working on this with? Um, um, I am working on an album, and uh, slowly, but surely, very slowly. Um, and I think I'm going to try and work with people that I've already worked with, that already like influenced my sound. So I'd like to you know, create songs with Mulate, uh, with Daniel Ade, with like, um, Jasper Tickner and Connor, with Francesca, uh, you know, with Danny from... From her songs, like I'm trying to produce a lot of this music myself. I've got a song with James Vickery as well. I don't know where that's going to mm-hmm. go or whose album's going to be on, but we made a great tune. And so I'm just, um, we're just writing now. And then I'm getting, I did a song with Elijah Fox that I know is going to be on there. And um, so just like writing, getting all my favorite tunes together until March and then seeing what I have at that point and then releasing it sometime before the summer. Hopefully. So on a, on a scale of Hopefully. like zero to one hundred percent completion, where where are you sort of at with the album now? Mm, Ten, twenty. I know. Okay. So it's really early days. At least it just started, and I was mm-hmm. like, it has to be next year. So some point next year it will be there. I have a rough deadline, but let's see if I let's see if I will make it there. Nice. And why an album? I know because it's a bit I... seems a weird question, but I feel like more and more people these days are just pushing out EPs, solo tracks because I feel like people don't have the patience these days to sort of listen through an album sit down and listen to an album I personally love it I love when someone releases a full album it's so great just to listen to it through but I feel like there's less of it there is days. less of it isn't it yeah it's it's an interesting one because an album is like if in in this like classic form or something it's like your first full project the f- the first like experience of you or something but I feel like that's also changed like I feel like all my EPs also are expressing me and it doesn't really matter it's just a word for a project like mm-hmm. for me all of these things are just projects that I like to make but I think it's more like the manifestation of saying I've created my first album it feels like a milestone in like the music career or like um, so I think that's for me like I just want to have that like I've created a full length album um maybe also just as a learning curve like what does it take what's the difference mm, why does yeah. it feel different does it even feel different you know kind of try and answer all those questions for myself I guess it must just feel like a bigger challenge yes. purely on even if just purely on the length of it yes and also just feeling like you know because uh, you, you put so much extra pressure in a way like every time someone say album it's like ooh the mm. album and then that has to be you know you in its yeah. best way but Maybe, you know, that's maybe it might even just be harder just because of that extra like psychological mm. pressure. And maybe it might, maybe albums, it's easier to create a bit more of a buzz mm-hmm. around them, which yeah. leads on to the next um, question actually, which was how do you promote your music as an, in, as an independent artist? I think for me, like Instagram has been really good. I think I've like really learned to like love Instagram and use it for what it's good for. I think slowly um, that's been really good for me. And then... Yeah, yeah, I actually think maybe that's the main thing. And obviously Spotify helps, you know, the playlisting and all mm. those type of things. It does help. Um, but I think finding one platform that where you know that you are good at engaging, whether it be Twitter or Instagram, whatever, and then really try and work that at, at your best ability. Um, and yeah, then- you're very good at Instagram. That is one thing I'll say. There's I see so many singers and musicians on Instagram and there's no, there's no um, content of them singing mm-hmm. which is crazy yeah 
there's like no videos it's all just pictures and stuff it's like if you're a singer surely you want to just sing a bit yeah and you're, it's quite you're just singing constantly yeah but I think people feel intimidated I have a lot of friends mm. like I don't like on singing on Instagram and I'm like I didn't like singing on Instagram either because it is a bit nerve wracking and sometimes it's also really fake because you, you might be doing like 15 freaking takes to get like 15 <laughs> yeah. seconds and you're like uh, you know or but I think for me, I just let go of that now. I'm just like making coffee, singing something, boom, boom, on the gram. And mm-hmm. then like, oh, who cares anyways? It's just music, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you just got to try and then see what kind of feedback you get. Because that's the other thing I like about Instagram. It's really effective in like telling you what content works. Like you might get a response. I think if you get, if someone's commenting on your video within the first hour or half hour, something, you know you've done something kind of right. And if so, you can you can kind of like, you know, play your cards well if you see what people engage with and, mm. and then just try and do more of that. Especially with that like slidable scale thing. I've done that a few times and it's refreshing to see people are genuinely really honest. Yeah. <laughs> you get a yeah, lot of people yeah. just like voting stuff like fairly low, which is, it's good. Like I think some people will only vote if they're going to vote high. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, is this going to be worth asking for people's opinion if the only people that are going to be answered are the ones who have nice things to say? Mm-hmm, exactly. But it wasn't like that at all. No, it's more so honest. it's really good, yeah. Yeah, and I think people also appreciate honesty, like on Instagram, especially nowadays when there's so much fake stuff and airbrushed faces and angles and all this. Like, you know, we're all like sinners of that to an extent. But I think with that movement also comes a movement of honesty. Like people just want to see real people learning trying to get better at their skill just like just trying to to you know function in this world and that's like the good part of it like it's more um transparent mm. or it can be more transparent to the yeah extent. definitely right we've got time for one last question um how do you practice runs and i guess singing in general i have a singing teacher i have uh, actually I have two singing teachers right now and um I don't see them often, but for example, leading up to a show or if I feel like my voice has, has not been in a good shape, I will go there and then we will work on specific things. And then, for example, you know, I might have like a program, like an hour program of like vocal exercises or, or things that I'm trying to achieve in my singing. And then I will practice that. Um, and then I think just listening, you know, to to your favorite singers, you know, I think in the whole soul, gospel, R&B world, you know, Kim Burrell and all these type of like super classic, really amazing, technically gifted singers like Tank and, you know, Jasmine Sullivan and Candice Boyd, all these people who are just amazing. And then listen to their thing, learn it, then start constructing your own. Um, yeah, remember to listen to music, I think, because mm-hmm. that can be draining when you're an artist yourself and always have your own music in your ear. Sometimes you don't feel like you've mental space for more music, but I think it's important to listen. Yeah. All right. Well, sadly, that's all we've got time for. No, thank uh, you time so much. always flies on this podcast, but it thanks does. for coming on the podcast. Really thank enjoyed you. speaking to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, all the best with the album. Thank you. <laughs>